right, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Maple Leafs opened up their preseason yesterday in Ottawa with a 3-2 loss. Uh, it's a home-and-home home tonight at Scotiabank Arena on Sportsnet Ontario. And with the home game, real players. Or more real players. There were real players. Shots fired it. The, the, There's a lot of fake players. There's, there were some guys out there who even I was like, who I'm... I'm sorry, whom? I, Turn around. Let me I, see that jersey number. I will say, though, that, hey, um, preseason's about getting the, 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 the real players in shape, but it's also, like, really a lot more important to the guys who you know very little of, and you mentioned Fraser Minton. Preseason's and, more important to me. Right. I need it in my life. But, yes, Fraser Minton's of the world, for Yeah, sure. and even Matthew Nyes, right, who, I mm-hmm. mean, we just... You know, I, I was going to say pencil, and we pan him into this Maple Leafs opening Chiseled night. in stone. I mean, on the basis of sparingly few postseason games, but how great yep. he looked. Um, yeah, and he, had a, he got on the score sheet yesterday with an assist. Nick Robertson, I imagine, is going to get into to tonight's lineup at home for, for the Maple Leafs. Like, those are the, like, man. What? I'm just, I'm not ready to do this again. And it's it's not his fault. It is not his fault. Mm. It's also not his fault that his brother, who is a foot and a half taller uh, and thin as a beanpole, will not. We'll just skate on by that. It's not his fault also that his brother has had a tremendous start to his NHL career. But how many times have we had a conversation about this Leafs team of, ah, if they just had another little bit more scoring punch, if right. they ju- and it's been sitting there, and he's always hurt, he is always banged up, he has little moments where he looks good, but the problem is, and it's the one thing we'll be watching for if he plays tonight, is can't we know he can shoot it. It's just can he get space to shoot it at the NHL level, and we have just gone through this dance so many times, and it's the stops and starts, and again, it's not his fault that he breaks his leg and he gets an infection and it's COVID year and all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But, man, he is the oldest 21-year-old in the world because it feels like he's been in my life for a decade. Dude, you're the way you're describing his early professional career, I mean, that's Nate Pearson. You just described Nate Pearson. And how's that working out? Oh, well, wait, wait. so you mean to tell me that after the Leafs are down, he's going to come in and, like, score two goals late in a game that mm. they end up losing? But I'm going to go, it was the Nick Robertson game, and right. we'll always have that. Like when Pearson came in as innings against the race. <laughs> Yes, exactly. No, and and also I I think that the preseason comparable is there as well this yeah, year. That's a like, very good comp. Hey, the could this guy be a contributor? Sure. Um, does he need to prove it at the lower professional level uh, level before we see him in either the National Hockey League or Major League Baseball? Also true. Also, mm-hmm. is it like you know? Do you kind of feel bad for this dude? Because so much of what's happened has been out of his control. Now it was more in Nate Pearson's control because he had a larger yeah. sample of Major League Baseball time than than Nick Robertson. But Nick Robertson got a bit of a run He's as well. He's sniffs, yeah. Yeah, uh, and and made his his uh, career debut in the postseason. I, I think there's a, there's a clear straight line comparable between the two. And I don't know if there's something Nick Robertson could do in the, in the preseason and, and, you know, I guess it's it's up to you whether you believe some of these games are actually impactful as far as the the management team or Sheldon Keith making actual roster decisions. I I find it hard to believe that Nick Robertson can make this team with his preseason performance because we've seen him have a spectacular preseason and not make. Now there were there were other I understand roster um, manipulation situations that were happening in mm-hmm. previous seasons, but I don't think there's anything Nick Robertson can do to make this team. I would have felt differently before they told me William Nylander is going to play center. 
if David Camp is your third line center and you're going to go with, you know, one of these fourth line, Graham Brell, one of these types is your 4C, then I don't think there's anything Robertson could have done because there's just no point of having him on a checking fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Dylan Gambrell or even on a third line with David Camp. But if you're going to roll three centers, and that includes John Tavares playing up the middle and William Nylander on a third line, and all of a sudden Camp is your fourth line center, then Nick Robertson on a not top six role does make a lot more sense, be it with John Tavares, be it with William Nylander. So that's the one thing that has slightly changed my opinion about what he can prove, what he can show in camp, because I think given the look they want to give Nylander at center, it does change the type of player they're probably open to giving a shot because so often for Robertson, it's been, okay, can he can he crack the top six or he can't play? And I still think that is the truth in theory, but you might now have more of a top nine if you are going to go with three offensive centers. Well, I also, like I, I mentioned it, I wonder how much information you're actually gathering, even with the young players in mm-hmm. these preseason games, considering the opposition, because the Senators totally. are going to play a totally different yep. roster for this road game. You play your good players at home. And it's the way she works. Not to continue to make cross-sport comparisons, but... Uh, I love them, so don't ever stop. <laughs> I mean, I look at that Pittsburgh Steelers team that, mm. that ends up, you know, escaping with a victory yesterday on Sunday Night Football, but that they were the preseason Super Bowl darlings for yep. so many people on the basis of a preseason mm-hmm. and, and Kenny Pickett looking something resembling uh, a top 15 quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the regular season hits where the real players, the real teams play, yes. and they look nothing like they did in the preseason. I, I just, I don't know what you what you take from, even if the opposition is really good. Like, say they do play a fully-fledged NHL team. Mm-hmm. We know that the compete level, the effort level during these preseason games for guys who are established veterans is is not the same as the regular season. I just, I don't know how much actual evaluation happens in the games during the preseason. Maybe maybe there's different stuff that's happening during during the practice. But I mean, we do this every year, thinking that, you know, positions are won and lost mm-hmm. because of, preseason game performance I just don't think it's it's actually a thing I don't think it's a one and loss thing but I think that you know again just to drill on drill specifically on Robertson if he finds chemistry with Tavares or Nylander and you say okay that is something that that looks like we want to give it a run. That is something I think that you would maybe give a little credence to, but just because somebody scores two goals against a AHL lineup, then no, that's not really going to change too, too much. All right. This uh, insider is brought to you by Don Valley, North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Today's insider, Gord Stellick, Sportsnet Leafs analyst. What's going on, Gordo? Well, first of all, Ben, Brent, congratulations. Uh, day one's going on for you guys. So uh, I've been listening. So uh, I don't know how much morning, ex- early morning experience you've had in the past, but uh, quite a change and quite an opportunity. So congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, Gordo. Thanks, I mean, Gord. do, you, do you have any advice as, as a guy that, that's done this for a prolonged period of time, like lifestyle-wise? I mean, because like, the actual job is just radio, which I've done a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like, how, how do I... How do I yeah, keep myself out of a murderous rage of waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Well, you always curse when the alarm goes off. It, it will. That's uh, that's it. And then all of a sudden, the weekend's a bonus. Um, and uh, I was going to say one was I I I try not to focus too much on lack of sleep because then you get obsessed by it. But uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of a neat thing. There's no traffic. It's a different world out there. First crack at it. But 
yeah, it's a change. It's a change to your lifestyle. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the key for me anyways, Gord, is just I try to be cranky all the time. So it's like, oh, I'm up at four in the morning. I would be cranky normally, but then I'm cranky at two in the afternoon. It just works out uh, Works out well. Uh, you know me, Gord. You know I love the Leafs as much as anyone, so I was not cranky that they were back. I was, in fact, uh, excited. You love to make fun of me uh, for how excited I get about these, these preseason games. Uh, even I'm not going to read too much into it, but we'll ask you about the big story of camp. We got our first look at Willie Nylander at center last night. I'm not going to ask you about what you saw because I don't think it matters at all but what do you make of William Nylander at center and do you believe them when you you think they want to give him an extended run here so uh, I've been listening to you guys for I don't know whatever number of minutes so I've heard your conversation you know heading into this about preseason and yeah try to try to keep it in perspective but there are certain storylines and I think the one is it it, you're getting Nylander that that thought out there from the word go it obviously shows that and I I think this is what they were looking to do or how they were going to deploy Ryan O'Reilly and everybody else if O'Reilly had stayed healthy. Uh, because first time he came, I can remember thinking, okay, are they going three centers, or is O'Reilly going to play left wing? And Brent, you and I were up there. We're looking at the uh, line rushes, and Tavares was on the wing. You remember that? Now, it ended up just being one game, and then Tavares was back at center. So you kind of thought, okay, are they going to, do they want to go three deep center-wise and do it that way, look at three balanced lines, or are they trying to look at two more powerful lines, which would be the case of Nylander, is on the wing. I don't think the, I, the evidence is conclusive, and they got 82 games or the bulk of that to decide which way they want to go. I like William Nylander at center. I do like I like him. I, I don't mind the move at all, and I think that's what they want to find out. Is it something that he's done in the past, and can he do it professionally at the NHL level? And you're right. That's, that is you know one of the storylines of a team with not many preseason storylines. Gord, it, we've talked about this a little bit today as well, um, and it was one of the first things that came to my brain because I, I you know, I wear a tinfoil hat quite often. Um, is that the, there maybe is a galaxy brain thing happening here with William Nylander looking for that extension that pays him double-digit millions of dollars annually, and the Maple Leafs trying to figure out whether he can play up the middle, whether it makes uh, sense to give him the extension he he feels he deserves. Can you? Can you do something like playing William Nylander at center, I mean, during the preseason, but also giving him a run during the regular season as part of, like, research? Like, are the Maple Leafs at a position in in their franchise history where the regular season means so little that maybe this isn't even the best way to win hockey games, but you need to know whether he can do it? Yeah, no, exactly. And I I don't think it goes with the contract at all. I mean, you know, Sheldon Keith's a guy. they got to have some playoff success now. And he's just trying to figure out, you know, what are the best options? You know, why last year did they, for a team, team that's offense first, their last seven playoff games, not score more than two goals in each of the seven games? You know, would three lines like this be a bit of a difference? So I, I think, you know, that's the case. He's solely looking at it. What makes us a better team? Specifically, what makes us a better playoff team? And certainly having more options. I mean, you can still have play the wrong option if you've got a ton of them and it doesn't work. So I just think that's what's going to go along during the course of the season. I think Austin Matthews' contract was a big one, and that got done. That would have been a distraction. That would be We'd be talking about that now if it didn't get done. Nylanders, it's understood. It's a, he's kind of a unique case. They're hard-pressed for cap space. He thinks he should be making money like the, the big guys are. Uh, he says he loves it here in Toronto. Um, I believe him, but whatever. But he could have his option to go somewhere else. Uh, money or whatever reasons he wants. I mean, that's, that's, you got, you, you know, you, you look at what Julian Breesbud's doing with Steven Stamkos. He's making a, a tough business decision and not afraid to get his nose out of joint. This is the guy who's hoisted the Stanley Cup a couple times because Tampa Bay 
has always been team first when you put it together. And, you know, team first right now means you can't just give Willie Nylander nine or, or whatever the figure is. It's something you gotta you got to figure out team conceptually business-wise. But obviously it'll, he'll help his case. Uh, if he if he stars, he'll help his case if he's versatile and is really proficient, you know, in both positions. That makes a difference. I, I want to stick to the Leafs, but you you mentioned Breezewa there, and I do want to get your your opinion on that. On one hand, it's way easier to take this hard line because you've you've won. This is the recipe that's worked here for you. But on the other hand, you know that guy's built up so much will in the community as the captain, and we remember him coming back and scoring the goals. You know, you've done negotiations, and you know I understand this one's obviously a little different. You know, times have changed, but do you think? I think it makes it easier or harder for Brizwa to take that hard line that they have had the success because again it's you know the buy-in for the, for the community versus you have the trophies to, to kind of back up whatever call you're making. Yeah, you know, Brad, that's like that's an interesting point. I'm trying and I'm trying to figure out. Like I understand. Okay, uh, Brizwa learned from Steve Eiserman, and Stephen Stamkos knows all too well what happened with, with Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman said, "Go kick tires and uh, let us know." And that's when you have a great organization, a winning organization. Uh, also, people like playing in Tampa Bay as a city and area. So he knows what you have. And that's one of the, the, the easy, if you want to call it easier, because you've got a desirable location. So Julian Brisbois learned from that. But you, you know, you could see, though, Stamkos is saying eight years later, and I'm going through this crap again, like he is serious. Okay, uh, you, you, you were aggressive and signed Brandon Hagel. You know, but probably looked at that. Hagel had a number that they felt good about in extending him, and, and they went in that direction. Stamkos, I guess they're, they're trying to figure it out. And also, you know, we've seen what's happened. They're paid the price each year, losing a player or two for cap reasons. So this one's a bit of an interesting one. I, 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 I like Brisbois being bo- like honest about it, meeting it head on, and just saying, no, yeah. this is my style. But will we say later on, you know, this wasn't kind of like all those years ago with Mark Messier and the New York Rangers being a day late and a dollar short. Like uh, maybe this wasn't a good idea. We shouldn't, we should look at it differently given what he did, particularly that one Stanley cup in the bubble and should be a little bit more aggressive trying to get this special case done. Did you have any problem with the way Stamkos handled it? Because I mean, th- this all could have happened behind closed doors and, you know, he could have said the right thing. I'm not thinking about this thing. And I'm sure those conversations will happen when, when they need to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm just focused on the season. Instead, he said, yeah, no, there's been no discussions and uh, I'm not too pleased about it. Like, did, did you have an issue with, with the way that that was so public facing? No, no, I don't. Because it's not like he's a chronic whiner. I think just sort of he's dealing with it. What's your opinion? I'm not going to BS you. Here's how I feel. And he's not going to talk about it every day. Now it's done. Okay, so you know. You know what's going on. You don't have to guess. And, you know, I should throw out a factor to Julian Brisbois. Victor Hedman is uh, going to be a big, big contract as well. And that's going to be a year after Stamco. So, I mean, that's a guy, you know, you got to keep your big stud defenseman playing at a top level there. But to answer your question, no, I, I, I like candor. I like candor every now and then, just sort of. No, and, and then you kind of look at it, and you know, I, I, can, I can see both points of view, and I, I, I think, you know, hey, giving clarity and honesty, that's great. Yeah, the Hedman thing definitely adds a little, not wrinkle to it, but a little more color understanding why they'd want to take a hard line if they're going to have to do this again. And uh, I'd imagine he tried to have those conversations behind closed doors of, uh, I'd like some money from you, please. And that's why uh, we're at the spot uh, they're at now. Ba- back to the Leafs, you know, it is a, uh, it's a question that, 
uh, again, he's only 22 years old, so we could only have been asking it for three or four training camps, but it feels like we've been talking about it for a decade now. Is this the year Nick Robertson finally breaks through? You know, the, the way I look at it, Gord, is that if they're going to play three offensively inclined centers in Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander, that to me opens up a lot more of a spot for Robertson as opposed to if he had to play on kind of a true checking line with Camp and, you know, Graham Brell or, or somebody on the on the fourth line. What do you make of Robertson's shot to make the team at a camp? Yeah, I heard you guys, when when you guys were talking about it, I think I said Nate Pearson to myself just when you guys said it as a comparable, right? <laughs> uh, about uh, the Jays comparable to the least comparable. And man, uh, I mean, the hard luck he has had, like he just showed a glimpse early on. And, you know, really that's been what the Leafs have been lacking, good young forwards from being developed from within. I mean, Matthew Nyes looks like he's going to be one of those, but, but it's been a lot of years and Nick Robertson looked like the real deal. So uh, I like what you said that, Part of that option, if Nylander is, a, if there are three centers, including Nylander, that if they feel Nick Robertson or they're going to give him uh, a shot, uh, a prolonged shot at the NHL, that's where he could fit in. I mean, what, what a, like, first, what a bonus if he is healthy and, and shows that he could score at the level a lot of us thought he could. Uh, that, would, that would be great. And that seemed, would seem to be the better fit. So, yeah, I, I, I hope he gets a crack and I hope he succeeds and that that's a way he could you know provide offense and probably fits him the best. Uh does John Klingberg on power play 1 fit him the best? Does it fit this Maple Leafs team the best? And how well, could we, they do this to our sweet prince Morgan Riley, Gord? Boy, well Morgan Riley, like if he can pick up from how he played in the playoffs and it was interesting that chemistry with Luke Shen that really seemed to come into play because he kind of had for Morgan Riley an ordinary regular season. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that he's more of that stud we've seen before and saw in the playoffs. But yeah, the, the power play, which was the number what the number two power play in the NHL, so it's not like uh, it, it's not like it didn't do very well, perform very well. Uh, I mean, Klingberg's been brought in for that reason, and all I can guarantee, and it's interesting with the, the few weeks Mike Babcock has had, this will not be a repeat of Mike Babcock saying, "Okay, Kyle." You got me Tyson Berry. Guess where Tyson Berry plays? He hardly plays at all. Jason Spezza sits in the press spot. Like all that kind of rancor from within, that dissension between coach and general manager. So I don't know what Tyson Berry could have become, but he was supposed to be that individual with the Leafs. So uh, Klingberg, that's the reason he's brought here. That's what he excels at, and I got no problem with it. Just what everyone wants to hear. Uh, Tyson Berry uh, name in reference to uh, to John Klingberg there. Uh, the good news is it can't go much worse, uh, especially during the Babcock part of that tenure. If memory, no, not me- if memory. I do remember this. Uh, he scored yeah. a goal the second Babcock was fired in that first game because, uh, of course, of course he did. Uh, talking about Sheldon Keefe, we've had a ton of conversations in the past couple of years about the tenor he takes with the team, his coaching through the media, his walking back of comments. Do you think we'll see a slightly different version? Maybe that's because Kyle Dubas is no longer here. Maybe that's because he has a little more certainty because they won around. Maybe it's because he has a little more certainty because of the contract. Do you think we'll see a different version of Sheldon Keefe? And if so, how much different? Well, uh, we're talking that public version, and I, I, I never understood walking back the comments. I, I think there had been a tendency to coddle the situation too much. What what What's the problem with a coach giving a healthy assessment post game about you know something trying to trying to you know get his uh, get his players to focus and and play proficiently and prepare them for game number 83 onwards by you know how they play the first 82 games so uh, i i think that that might be the one different thing which i which i applaud otherwise you know he's uh, hey the contract probably makes him feel better 
probably gives him a little bit of security, but he's a guy on the hot seat. And that's not because he hasn't done a very good job. That's just he's the guy on the hot seat. You know, we, you're, you're, you're talking about the Raptors earlier, and that's why they made the Kawhi move. We all know that. That's why they made the coaching change. Uh, they had to do something bold. And in the case of the, the Leafs situation, fair or unfair, you know, he's, he's the point guy and on the hot seat if it doesn't happen. That's a great point. Uh, Leafs and Senators again, this time in Toronto tonight, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. Gord, uh, appreciate the time. Love talking preseason hockey, guys. Yeah, mm, nothing better. Nothing <laughs> better. Nothing better. <laughs> See you, man. All right, there's Gord Selleck, Sportsnet Leafs analyst. I, yeah, let's talk some more about Sheldon Keefe because if you do recall, I mean, what 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 Gord was referencing was what was a game five of, yes. of last season where yeah, Sheldon Keefe did feel very much on on the hot seat. Uh, Maple Leafs put forth a very lackluster performance at a four two mm-hmm. loss at home to the Arizona Coyotes, and he said like. At the conclusion of that game, I'm paraphrasing. Our best players need to be our best players. They weren't mm-hmm. that great tonight. And then the he next said, day. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry I said that. Sorry I said you guys should do your job. That was really mean of me. Yeah, so, okay. <sighs> I, I think, okay, Sheldon Keefe is his own man, and he can do whatever he thinks is correct. But I do think that there was obviously an organizational belief that the best way to get the best out of these players was to a coddle is the only word I, word I can come up with. But, yeah, be very soft in their approach to yes. these players. And you know what? That's that's kind of a, a, a universal of, a approach. A lot of compliment sandwich going on. Dude, but look around pro sports. Like, yeah, that's that's, sure. that's the way coaching, managing. Unless, unless you're a Washington commander. And yeah. the Arab enemy is just screaming at you all the time, apparently. But, but generally, at least publicly facing, you, you don't flame your players. But I will say, man, I know Sheldon Keefe, he got the extension. Gord's absolutely right that it you know that that maybe in fact emboldens him more to be more desperate, understanding that hey, if I get candy or I'm 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 all right financially anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm that contract is guaranteed. It'll be interesting to see those post game comments, and maybe it's not the most impactful thing, mm-hmm. but it would it would tell you that there's maybe a different organizational philosophy on how to approach some of these players and getting the best out of them both during the regular season and in the postseason. We will never know who it was who picked up the phone or buzzed in Sheldon's ear or called him into the principal's office and said, how dare you say that? You cannot criticize these guys publicly like that. You walk it back. We'll never know. Maybe Dubas, maybe Shanahan. I, I'm pretty confident it wasn't Brad for a living. I don't think he was involved in that conversation because he did not work for the team yet. But if every party involved does not use this season as an opportunity to pile that blame on Kyle Dubas, whether it was his call or not, and just say, yeah, this is how we do it. We're going to treat these guys like men, and we're going to call them out publicly if they need it. It is the perfect time for you to have, again, how much of it is true, we'll genuinely, I don't think, ever know of how much of that was Dubas, how much of that was Shanahan, but now you have the chance to say, yeah, wasn't me, look at how we run things now. Well, I'm still here. This has to be, and this isn't to say that after every Every single game, no. albeit a bad one, you're tearing a strip off of these guys. But it has to be a tool in the tool belt. It mm. cannot be this thing that you use once and then apologize for using. Like that, that, that can never happen again. I'm not again. Don't don't use the bullet unless it's needed. You cannot be the coach who's out there every game talking about how terrible your team is. And hopefully they play well enough that that's not an issue. But if you feel that bullet needs to be used, you have to use it and keep and stay using it. Don't walk it back. Uh, by the way, uh, Gord Stelic was our insider, and this insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online 
and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That's it. It's not It's not go overboard, right? Like, I, I don't need you to be Scotty Bowman here. I don't need you to be Mike Keenan because guess what? Yeah. Those guys don't exist right now anyways because everybody makes too much money. Yeah, we we and, just saw that. Yeah, I mean, didn't we? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, oh boy. Uh, and I don't necessarily think Sheldon Keefe is that dude, but just be like, just be truthful. I, and I, honestly, going back to that that comment in in that that home game against Arizona, that was as soft a criticism as you can have of guys making a combined forty million dollars mm-hmm. as you can have in the history of pro sports. And it 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 really did. And I know they bounced back and they had a great regular season after that. Yada 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 yada. Um, and they won a round of the playoffs. Yada yada yada. But it did. It indicated something to me. That it, For there, sure. there was an How organization, could it not? and you you make a great point about hey, well thank you. Uh, it might not have all been Kyle Dubas's fault. We couldn't break through here in the last plus half decade plus, but let's use that as maybe a rallying cry. Like let's 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 point to that Whatever. as a reason why we can be different this year uh, than in years previous. Whatever you felt, if you're if you're Shanahan, like it it has your name on it. It is the Shanna plan. Mm-hmm. If there was any part of this that you know, you're trying to be, what are they, what do they always say about, like, it's a thing about good managers, like you just hire good people and let them do their job, right? Maybe there were some things Kyle Dubas was doing that you didn't love. This is your chance for, for the reset. Also, just in terms of just funny things in Leafland, if this is the year for Nick Robertson, uh, the 5'7", or, or uh, sorry, 5'9", 175-pound uh, forward, Nick Robertson, if he comes through mm-hmm. the year after Kyle Dubas leaves, that will just be a perfect piece of serendipity. <laughs> and everyone talking about, you know, that Brad Living just yeah. had the secret sauce to get this little worm going out there. Hey, I'd love to see it, but boy, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, he seems like a nice fellow. I'm rooting for him, right? Like, like I was totally. rooting How for, could you not? for Nate Pearson because so much of it was was out of the the players' I control. Thought, I thought we had it with him this year for five minutes. I thought it was a thing. You know what? I think we realized is that Nate Pearson's fine. He's good. Like he's a guy. He's going to be in the major leagues for twenty years mm. as a middle reliever. Right. <laughs> That's so and not, everybody needs one. He's not the face of the franchise ace. Okay, no. or a closer for that matter. But honestly, it's not. And the the range of outcomes for a prospect, even a first round pick like Pretty Nate good. Pearson, like that's not bad. He made it to the major leagues, yeah, and uh, he contributed. Time, pension. That's really it. That's <laughs> well, for him, it. I yeah. mean, even for the organization, yes, totally. I mean, it feels like an abject failure. But go back and look yeah. at the the Blue Jays' oh, I mean, history of draft picks, even first round picks. That the hit rate is rather low. Even the the guy that gave up Austin Martin as part of the yep. the Jose Barrios trade. Look at what he's done since he arrived in the Twins system. Not too good. That well, guy nobody, was a fifth overall draft pick. Nobody wants to hear this because we all hope the bounce back's coming. But if you just like just cut Alec Manoa's career stat line and said, yeah, that's like, don't put it all in two years, but just right. say that's the amount of starts he had. Those were the numbers. You'd say, eh, too bad he got hurt. Is yeah. what, you, what you would end up saying. But yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It's uh, like, we think of first round pick yeah, and it's got to be, be this best. impact, you know, three, four bat, or you're playing a marquee position. No, you just, play baseball for an org. Mm-hmm. That's usually pretty good. It is. All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Um, I, I haven't been to Wonderland in a while. Long time for me. Yeah, it's been like over a decade for me. I I, I enjoy my 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 times at uh, Wonderland. It's just been a while. And my kids are a little too young to, to go on the big rides that I would like to go on, Ron. You're right, uh, go guy. on. Uh, yeah, I, at least I was. Uh, so passengers <laughs> on a ride at Canada's Wonderland were stuck upside down for almost 30 minutes 
Saturday night. So apparently the park is open late right now. So it was about 1040 p.m. Jeff has already told me the youth are acting a muck in there at night. And that's oh, what I heard okay. going on. I, I, I know nothing of that. All I know is that the lumberjack ride at 1040 p.m. became inverted until the, the park's maintenance team brought it down by 1105. Oh, so people God. were stuck directly upside down for about 30 minutes, Brent. Uh, I'm never riding a ride again in my life. I didn't need any excuses or poking or prodding in that uh, direction, but that was all I needed. I'm good on uh, that. I have fun doing things that keep me on the ground, like golf and uh, other boring-ish things. That sounds terrible. Now, apparently there were some people that were, like, treated for <laughs> medically. Everybody's like, yeah, you uh, go hang upside dude. down for a half hour like, I, sometimes I'll be playing with my kid, and I'll be like, I'll, like, hold him upside down or, like, wrestle with him. My wife is like, you're going to cause all the blood to go yeah. out of his body. It's like, okay, it's not that serious, but mm-hmm. I also think for a half hour, probably not good. Have you ever been on, so they sell this, um, and there used to be infomercials for them. Have you ever seen this thing where you 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 hook your feet up to, oh, the, the, and it's a plank that yeah. flips upside down. It's supposed to be good for your back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say that looks like it'd be so good for your back. Okay, so I did it once, and it was like fun, and I I, I heard a lot happening in in my in my spine region. <laughs> I could barely walk the next day, <laughs> and I did that for literally ten seconds. <laughs> I, I honestly, I I think I'd be hospitalized if I was upside down for thirty freaking minutes. I, I, I don't know what happens. Like, is there permanent brain damage that happens if the blood is rushing to your head for that long? I. Not good. Yes, I, not I get good. definitive that much with my <laughs> very limited medical uh, knowledge can conf- definitively say it's not what you want. No, it's not. All right. Uh, when we come back, Blue Jays might be getting what they want. That's a mm. postseason spot. Is a matchup against the Tampa Bay Rays also Ooh. what they want? Also, oh. I swear to you, we're going to get to the NFL story. I and- get to kill <laughs> Dak Prescott. How have we not done this yet? That's coming up. Also, Joey Votto may be playing his final game as a member of uh, the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati yesterday. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. All right, so the Blue Jays, boy, this is, uh, okay, I, I guess could come back to haunt me, but the Blue Jays have essentially punched their ticket to the postseason. I mean, mathematically, it is possible. Even a one in five final six games for the Blue Jays gives them more than a 50% chance of getting into the postseason because of the remaining matchups. I mean, even, I mean, we, we focus so much on the Rangers and the Mariners thing. It's the Mariners and the Astros mm-hmm. tonight as well. And the Astros stink right now. Have you paid attention to what's going on with the Astros? I was told by smart baseball people that they are the team with pedigree. No, they all stink. All these teams are Dude, no good. No, but that is true. And it was the reason to believe in the Astros over the other two American League West teams because, you know, they won the whole shoot match last year. Yeah. Except... In three of the without the cans, three of the last four series have come against not just some bad teams, some of the worst teams in Major League history. In the A's and two series against the Royals, they've lost seven of those nine games between those two teams. They were just swept at home Mm -hmm. by the freaking Royals. And if you're, I mean, the most bullish on the Blue Jays, and again, you have reason to be super bullish. They own the tiebreaker against one team, and it is the Houston Astros. I got to say though, if if you were Asking me 
who I thought the Blue Jays would finish ahead of and who mm-hmm. would finish on the outside of this playoff picture with the Blue Jays in the American League wildcard race and somebody on the outside. I think the Astros, Astros would have been my last pick because For of sure. the pedigree thing. Totally because of the pedigree thing. When they, I was watching the game yesterday and by the way, love, love Jamie Campbell, but love seeing my man Brad Fay mm-hmm. on the desk and they flash to just some nameless Royal going into the Crawford boxes to sweep the Astros. <laughs> I was like, what? happening I, I was not totally plugged into that over the weekend i was floored when i when i saw that this is the nature of base and you know i think the thing is that so often when we've talked about the american league playoff race in the past is that there has been a true boogeyman out there whether it be the astros or in the past it's been the yankees mm-hmm. there has been that true blue chip talented team that you just say ah they're gonna figure it out Look at all these teams. They all have major flaws. They all have major reasons that you can talk yourself into it. And this is the nature of a playoff race with a bunch of teams like this where there is no true separator. You can talk yourself into any of these teams being better. And, you know, I like the Jays' chances because of all the things we've gone over. But, yeah, this is what a playoff race looks like when there is no true great team in it. I didn't hear anything after you said boogeyman. Oh, it's boogeyman. Yeah, boogeyman. No, you said boogeyman. Is yeah. that how you you pronounce it, boogeyman? Boogeyman, bagel. <laughs> oh my god, those are the two. Oh, you're horrific. I, okay. We're gonna learn a lot about we are. each other. Uh, I talk a lot. You learn days that. and weeks and months. Quick little check in. How are you? <laughs> how were you on my pre show banter? Uh, it was all right. It was but a yeah, lot. You you could tell occasionally I wasn't giving you a whole lot back. Yeah, I tried, but I but I feel like correct me if I'm wrong. I tried to then dial back a yeah. little. Are no, you, I, I I listen. I don't know what is normal for you and how fair. much is dialed back. Yeah, we'll but just sure. We'll maybe. go with that. I dialed back. <laughs> we'll go with that. All right. So the Blue Jays find themselves two games up on the Astros, who still hold down the final wild card spot. Huge series upcoming for them. Uh, so the Mariners are currently a half game back of the playoffs uh, looking in. But, of course, yeah, this series is going to decide all that. But the Blue Jays, like, not just firmly into the postseason, but, like, kind of firmly now into the second wild card Mm -hmm. spot, which would put them into a matchup with the team that just took two out of three against and were a Jordan Romano-blown save away from sweeping on the road. And all three games would be on the road at Tropicana Field uh, in Tampa Bay. And I, I mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. People Point who, this out again. Who weren't uh, listening at six in the morning. First of all, what are you doing? Disgusted uh, by you. <laughs> secondly, go back and listen to it on the podcast as well. But uh, the the trop is viewed by many as a house of horrors. Blue Jays were three and three there mm. this year. Last year, okay, they were below 500, but they were four and five. And the year before, they were also four and five. The Blue Jays are five and five against the Rays this season. They just took two out of three. There's another series upcoming, and who knows? That could be for all the marbles. We'll, we'll see. All the Tostitos. I was thinking <laughs> Brent Musburger for some reason. It's the final series of the weekend. It, there's a lot on the line for me personally because I'm taking my kid to uh, the Saturday game. <laughs> for Watching his eighth quickly, birthday. quickly, talking to you, not that you and I spend uh, all the time in the world together, but watching your roller coaster of emotions, I've now three times talked to you about you taking your son to this game. And at first it was like, I'm Nightmare. the best dad ever. No, yeah. when you first started, oh, yeah, it was sure. like, I am the greatest Before the dad. Series, yeah, look yeah. at this. Look at what I'm going to do. Then I talked to you during or like maybe right after Ranger series. And you're like, I can't believe I'm going to subject my child to this. But hey, we're all the way back. Now you're dad of the year again. I guess. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's so much of it is what kind of interaction he gets with the players. He's going to be on the field for batting practice because I'm the best dad ever. All right. Back to the, the topic at hand. <laughs> Blue Jays raise three game wild card series in Tampa. I, I think. At the outset, and like a month ago, I think I talked to John Morosi 
about how we need to maybe adjust the way we do this wild card round as far as seeding is concerned because the last wild card spot is the best one because right. you get the American League Central winner, right. which always stinks, and this year is going to be the Twins. I, I don't know. I think I'm coming off that a little bit. Yeah, the Twins, you know, the thing that's been pointed out to me a lot, and, you know, this can fluctuate on any given week as we talk about the Jays' approach at the plate or, plate or lack of one, but the Twins have been pointed out to me as just a terrible matchup because of the style mm-hmm. of pitcher that they can throw at you. A lot of kind of Chris Bassett over there in, in their rotation, and for a team that can occasionally lack a bit of a plan or lack a bit of an approach, somebody who can throw all these different looks at you uh, is probably not the best one there, but just from a... From a talent perspective, I don't know. I still think you'd probably take your chances with them. Who, who you, You'd rather who? No, I'd rather the Rays. You would rather the Rays. You know why? I mean, Because okay. Yandy Diaz is hurt and Wander Franco. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a large part of it. But the other thing is that I know they're going to play all the games when they're scheduled. Mm. Here's what I, 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 listen, baseball is great in oh, October. Outdoor yes. baseball is. This is a take and is, I love it. It's fun, right? Hey, it's crispy and the leaves are falling. Yeah, it's great. It's freezing cold yeah. and it's raining. Mm-hmm. And and guess what? It's going to be freezing cold and it might rain in Minnesota. And baseball Imagine is played. Imagine Romano's finger then. Like all, all the statistics, everything we think about baseball, all those ideas are formed during the summer months yes. and you go back to april and and the the way the sport looks then and compare that what? to what it looks like so in Matt july is going to be amazing well this is it. it it the the sport the the sample is large but it's large in in the summer when we get to the most important games everything changes it's true in, including the weather which has an outsized impact on major league baseball teams just look at it throughout history uh, I, i'm not saying it favors one team or another i would say that the team that is used to playing outdoors and, sure. and plays in april in minnesota probably knows a little bit more about what it feels like to play outside in minnesota in october for i mean if there's if it's six and one half dozen the other, which I don't necessarily think it is because of the injury stuff, and especially yeah, yeah. if Yandy Diaz is like seriously hurt, and you know what, they just got to Tyler Glasnow, who's going to start Game One, so it's not a guy that you should be fearing. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he can he can have a great outing, but it's yep. not like he's every single time he he steps on the mound, he's having a great outing against you. But if it's like a a tie breaking scenario, I is it ugly as the trop is, and boy is it ugly. They play baseball there. It's Every uglier, game, it's, it's scheduled. Or it's less ugly than a rainout. I'm yeah. with you there. I, le- I honestly, I had never in a million years thought of the weather being a reason to look at it that way. I love that. That is, that's great. That's why you don't want to go to Baltimore either. Yeah. Also, their baseball I, I, I team is much gonna, better. Is it the, <laughs> I, I would say per, just me, maybe other people feel differently. Uh, the biggest reason I would not want to go to Baltimore is you lose every time you play them, mm-hmm. uh, no matter where it is. Uh, second, Ryan Mountcastle, and then third, because it's outside. Yeah. And fourth, I personally, this is just a me thing. I'm not a seafood guy, so I have no desire to be in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Well, I am a seafood guy. Just throwing guy. that. I'm just, just saying for me, that's oh, why okay. I wouldn't want to. There's oh, a, yeah. There's an extra soft one. Soft shell idea. crab? No, mm-hmm. I'm delicious, out. Delicious, delicious. Stuff. I am out. Uh, you know who's out? Cincinnati Reds at the postseason. Like, that was such a great story for so much of the year and not mathematically, but it seems like now fed accompli mm-hmm. with their recent swoon that the Cincinnati Reds are not going to make the postseason. You can be bullish on their future, though, because of the, the young players. But Joey Votto... Got a base hit in his he's final not a young, He's not a young he's man. He's quite old. Uh, Toronto's own. 
uh, got a standing ovation in his first at bat yesterday in his what is likely his final home game as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. I, I don't say definitively because he hasn't said it definitively, despite the fact that now his contract has concluded mm. that big one signed by the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and Joey Votto spoke after the game about what uh, this season has meant to him and his performance, what that's meant to him. I almost cry, you know, like there's no crying in baseball. And um, no, it, 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 it truly, I'm speechless, and it, it meant so much. Uh, that moment was really special to me. I, um, I, you know, it's a good win, good team win to get. That's what we're here for to give you that. We're gonna fight all the way to the very end of the season. This team is tenacious. This team is tenacious. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how badly this team wants to play for you all. They love it here. They love representing this city. And I've been able to do it for 17 years. What a tremendous honor so far. And uh, five more games to go, we're gonna try to give it to you. So stay with us. Uh, We will, we'll fight to the very end. So thank you so much. Thank you. Without being too dramatic, What was it like, at least, your last at bat in this game, base hit? I was, I was, you know, I got to do my job. (laughs) I got to do my job. So, um, in in my head, I was just up there competing. It's what I've wanted to do since I was a little boy. It's what I'm doing as a little boy adult, you know. Um, It's all all I want to do. I love to compete. I wake... Uh, in anticipation of, of that first pitch in the game, I, I love it. I can't tell you how much I love what I do, and I can't tell you how much it means to play in front of everyone here in Cincinnati as a Red. Uh, what a gift. What a tremendous gift. So thank you. All right, there's Joey Votto after uh, his final game, final home game potentially as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. I... I <laughs> I'm of two minds here because one, I, I don't want to force somebody into retirement. But I, I think if you also hear like his more, that was on the field obviously yeah. after the game. If you hear his post-game media availability with the rest of the media when he talks about going through the season that he went through after a very disappointing year last year and then has shoulder surgery and then only plays 62 games this year and ends up about a league average hitter, had a 748 OBS, but hit 205, right? Like he took a bunch of walks. He hit the occasional home run. But he's like, that's the best I can do. Because mm-hmm. I'm 40 years old. I just had shoulder surgery. Yep. And I worked my ass off to get back to the major leagues of baseball because, you know, I'm getting paid 25 million yeah, bucks. Yeah, you want that. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, and maybe I could help this team. But that's about the, the high watermark that I can hit. I'm now 40 years old. I'm a free agent. There is... I would put the certainty at 99.99999% that he is calling it quits at the conclusion of this year. I, I, I guess I got to leave a little bit of wiggle room for, for a pro athlete. Never, like there's there's very few of them that realize that it's over until mm-hmm. it is forced upon them. And, and maybe somebody wants to bring him on as like a Brandon Belt type uh, next season. But yeah, that that's it for, for Joey Votto. And I kind of wish... You know, he had what Miguel Cabrera has this year, where he gets the $90 bottle of wine from the Wild. Oakland days. Very I, I, got, I, I know that everybody understands what's happening here, and obviously the fans in Cincinnati do, but I just wish it was a little bit more official. 
Yeah, I uh, I'll be honest. I you know I know I know you're not saying they're the same guy, but I'm I'm looking at you going, yeah, well, it's because one of them's Miguel Cabrera and the other one's Joey Votto. Oh, Good you. Canadian, great career, Hall of Famer. Yes, but he's not Miguel Cabrera. Like there is there's tears to this stuff, and mm. Joey Votto was a great player. But if he wasn't Canadian, I'd never think about him a day in his life as a he'd be a guy in the major leagues who comes and goes like a ship in the night. There are great players. Me. I know I am, but you asked me my opinion on it, and guess what? <laughs> Just because we're on our first date doesn't mean I'm going to sugarcoat it. Uh, I'm going to tell you how I feel, and if this uh, marriage ain't going to work because of it, then it's too damn bad. But that's honestly, that's how I feel. Good for him. I'm happy he had that moment. Mm. I wish I feel this way about so many people, and I'm going to go cross-sport comparison on you, and how dare I compare Joey Votto to this guy the same way I wish Tiger Woods would say this is it I know I'm done this is my last Masters and he's never going to be able to do it because he just can't and I think there's probably a piece of that with Votto who says you know what get myself in the cage I go (laughs) get on with somebody in spring he probably does want to and because of that you do have to commend him for it but when I uh, when I look at it I say yeah that right there that's the fitting final way for for Votto to go out in a town that beloved him but in the grand scheme of things he means to that town infinitely more than he means to the game or, you know, the Well, league. that's because the Reds have stunk and, and they're totally. a smaller market. Totally. But, and you're right. He's not Miguel Cabrera who's on the, the short list of, of greatest players of all time with 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. But Joey Votto, I, I think now, I mean, especially the way on-base mm-hmm. percentage has been totally. viewed since he's been at his peak. peak. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and it's almost a slam dunk at this point. Yep. I, I don't disagree with that, but, you know. Big hall, you're a small hater. hall. No, I, you're a hater. I, 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 right. You will learn one thing no. about me. It's definitely that I'm a hater. <laughs> All right. It's good to know. All right. Uh, let's get to Wake and Rake. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! On Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, we got it again. The the double header of, of Monday Night Football Eagles Quickly, Buccaneers. You like it or you don't like it? I mean, more sports are no Jays tonight, so we're good with it. Yeah, but if there was Jays, too much. Give me uh, another 425 uh, Sunday game. I wish they were spaced out a little bit more. Oh, you want like a nine o'clocker? I mean, this is the way they used to do it on on week one, right? You would <laughs> like have it early, like 1130. Yeah, and it was like Chris Berman calling it. <laughs> yes, and our uh, our man Sergio Dip. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> that's Joseph is having the time of his life. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah, that the, listen, Sergio Dip, uh, his first uh, language is not English. All right, so a couple, uh, a couple of Monday nighters again. Eagles in Tampa, a couple of two and O teams. Mm. The the Eagles fresh off their Super Bowl appearance uh, in Tampa Bay to play Baker May- Mayfield and the Buccaneers. The Los Angeles surprising one and one, and could easily not easily. I mean, the, the, they kind of tailed off, I guess, at the end against the Niners. But in every game, mm-hmm. one and one. L.A. Rams in Cincinnati to play a Bengals team who's going to have a quarterback, and it might not be Joe Burrow. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking at this. The Eagles, I think they're going to trounce the the Bucks. The Bucks are two and zero, but like you said, kind of in name only. The Eagles are one of, if not the elite elite teams in this league. They're going to win not by just what uh, the spread says. They're going to win by a touchdown. So bump the Eagles up to minus six and a half. That pays uh, plus one hundred one. If you want to throw in the Rams, who I love on the money line there, that it gives you plus one twelve. That's each of them separately together. You get a nice little two team parlay plus three twenty six. So that's what I'm looking. At for tonight. Dude, 100%. I mean, yeah, the at at 
current viewing, the Cincinnati Bengals, with the uncertainty surrounding Joe Burrow, are two-point favorites at home. Again, against a Rams team that— <laughs> Go bet that right now. Well, against a Rams team that, that won week one against the Seahawks and gave what I think is going to be, if not the team that comes out of the NFC, they're going to be in an NFC championship game, maybe against those Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, all they could handle. And, and I mean, you read some of the reports out of Cincinnati— Joe Burrow could end up on the IR here, like mm-hmm. could, could miss four games. Jake Browning is the backup in his career. Jake Browning has thrown one pass. He didn't complete it, by the way. And they doesn't went out sound and signed. Good. No, it doesn't. They went out and signed AJ McCarron. Uh, oh yeah. So that's all you need to know. A guy who's spent some time in the XFL recently. No, this is. And even if Joe Burrow is playing in this game, you know he's not at hundred percent. What did you see out of Joe Burrow the first two weeks of the season that leads you to believe that the Bengals can compete with uh, not 100% Joe Burrow? Nothing. 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 Yeah, it really has a year, year from hell potential shaping up for the Bengals right now. All right, there you go. A uh, couple of Monday night football plays for you. When we come back, Blue Jays with a day off today before they wrap up the season with a six-game homestand against American League East opponents in which they took four out of six games on the road against. We'll talk to our pal Kevin Barker of Blair and Barker next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.